0: one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Strength for Strength. It is a pleasure to have you all here this morning, although our reason for gathering is maybe not so pleasant and a little interesting for our time, I guess, to see the invasion that's going on in the Ukraine. Um, so we're gathered here this morning to hear about some of the refugee crisis and how some of the brothers are helping out with that. Uh Strength to Strength is usually every other Saturday morning, but this morning is a special event um, due to the conflict there and the crisis. And next Saturday morning will be our regular scheduled meeting um, we have four speakers on this morning from four different countries. Each one of them will will be sharing for about 10 to 15 minutes. And we will open it up for discussion or for questions after each speaker. So if you have any questions or comments, um, we'll have a time of a few. We'll field a few questions after um, each speaker has shared uh, before we get started. Um, Brother Titus Miller, would you um, say a prayer before we get started here?
2: Go ahead. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, and thank you that we can call on you. Thank you that you're all-knowing, that you're in control. Thank you that we can trust our lives to you. This morning, we just pray, especially for those who are suffering in the Ukraine, those who are fleeing the pain, the insecurity that many face. Lord, we just pray that you would touch each one with your gentle spirit and that you would speak to them, you administer their needs and bring them Lord into contact with others who can show the love of Jesus and can bring life and peace to a troubled world. We just pray Lord that your blessing would rest in each of those who are reaching out and ministering and those who are concerned for what is happening and wanting to get involved and to help bless each one in a special way with wisdom from above. And I pray, Lord, you would be with us today as we hear what you are doing through the lives of your children. We pray your blessing on the brethren who will share. We pray your blessing as well on those who will be listening. And Lord, we desire that through the events that are taking place, the kingdom of God would advance, would grow, would go forward. And the light of Jesus would shine brightly through your people. We just commit this time to you and pray that you would be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. So our first presenter this morning is Brother Bruce. And Bruce, if you could just give us a little introduction on uh, who you are and where you're at there, we would appreciate it.
0: This is a report of my experience as a pastor here in the days of war. So I am from Sheep and Sea, that's southwestern Ukraine, Chernivtsi Oblast, and so far, our merciful God has spared us from bombing in our oblast. Oblast is a state. So we are still in Sheep and Sea, and the Mennonite Church in Sheep and Sea is still intact. Only our school teacher, Kayleen Rhodes, has left. This is day 10 of the war, and everything that I want to talk about has happened in these last 10 days. So our trauma, our drama began at 5 o'clock on Thursday morning, February the 24th. One of our brothers from the Kiev church, Slavik Badrov, brought his 20-year-old son, Jan, down to our house. His plan was to quickly get into the uh, out of the Ukraine, although he had no idea that war would start that morning. And they were going to rest for a while in our house before they drive across the border. They had driven all night. And suddenly, at that early hour, our son, Michael, from Kiev, Uh, called, sorry, sent a message to say that there are bombs and fire in the sky, rattling their windows. So without finishing their tea at five, then Yazuba, who lives in our house, drove Yon to the Romanian border, which is an hour south. He walked across and was met by the brothers of the I church. And half an hour after Jan crossed the border, the Ukrainian government made a rule that no men of military age that's 18 to 60 may leave the country. So the crossing arm went down. So 10 kilometers from Michael's house in the village just south of Kiev, the Russians started bombing the military airfield. That's Kiev's main military one. Michael's quickly made plans to leave Kiev with their six children and come to us in Sheep and They brought the rest of this family that had, the father and son were here. So they had 18 persons in an eight passenger van. My wife and I went to meet them part way to relieve this packed van. And every service station that we passed that morning, there was 40 to hundred cars waiting to fill their vehicles with fuel. And we traveled 150 kilometers. So you can imagine how many cars were simply waiting at the gas stations. And what happened next was an exodus of the Mennonite church in Ukraine. (laughs) So most of the families with children who had vehicles from our Mennonite church in Kiev and Krivoshensky began to flee Kiev and head to our Mennonite church in Shippensky. In Shippensky, there was no bombing and they would decide what to do next once they arrived. And there was great consternation among the brothers, the fathers that were military age because they didn't know how they would get out. <clears throat> so on Thursday evening and Friday, our Mennonite families began to descend on us in droves. On Friday evening, we lodged 92 persons and two houses and the church house and Kayleen's depart- apartment. By God's mercy, we had padded pews in the church house. We thought we had used every last banquet but later we did find two old picnic blankets under the steps. So MIM's work began in Kiev in July of 1993. My family was among the first sent over with an elderly couple, Edward and Sarah Miller from Kelowna, Iowa. Our children grew up in Ukraine. <clears throat> Today, God has blessed us with 19 grandchildren. Our other children were not in the Ukraine at this time, only Michael and his family. So from 1993 to the present day, which is 28 and a half years, we have been serving in the Ukraine, not all the time, but 22 of those years. The present time, we have four Mennonite churches, one in the capital city, Kiev. Two churches are located one or two hours from Kiev, Krivoshense and Gorodeskaya. And in Shipensy, we have our church and that's 550 kilometers southwest of Kiev. And just to give you a picture, of the number of our churches in September for the CLP church directory of 2021, we had a count of 145 total members in our four churches and a total average attendance on a Sunday morning of 250 persons. And each church operated a Christian school. So that evening on Friday evening, we had a special prayer service in our church. We had one the evening before and our church house was filled with fleeing brothers And it was a time to seek God's face. It was a time to give encouragement. And it was a time to give encouragement to make decisions that our families would not lose their faith. So everyone helped to cook food. I I bought groceries in large amounts. And because of the stress and the trauma of fleeing, really no one ate very much. Maybe some of the children, but the moms and dads did not. Some were filled with panic and had fearful eyes. Two families tried to cross into Romania on Friday. Sorry, of the families that tried to get into Romania on Friday, two were declined exit because the fathers were military age. So the situation looked very grim. We had a brothers meeting on Saturday morning in the church house for all the brothers present. And we decided, what will we do? For Americans, at this time, we can easily cross the border either way. Suddenly, as if directed by God, uh, in an answer to our prayers, the Ukrainian government made a rule, a new rule, that fathers of large families can leave the country. Large family means three children or more. So this was just a door opened by God for many of our families to leave. We praise God for that. Women and children then and now can still easily leave. At this meeting I stress that wherever they go that they need to they need the church. They will lose their faith. Otherwise so I, I recommended that they go to Sachava as a meeting point at least. So that afternoon four bands of Mennonites headed to the Sachava Mennonite Church in Romania More came, more continued to leave. Not all were allowed to cross the border. The young brothers usually were kept behind. At the regular Romanian border crossing that we usually take, there was 14 kilometers of cars, three abreast. And probably thousands of persons walking across the border. Some crossed into Moldova first and then into Romania. And you know, my heart was filled with pain. I was observing. The
3: dispersion of the Mennonite Church of Ukraine. God's work for 28 years
0: seemed to go down the drain. I know God can turn evil to good. And I don't blame God. So more Mennonites kept coming to Sheep and and going to Romania. And by Tuesday, most of them were gone. Some of our families spent two days and nights in the vehicles just traveling to Sheep and there were traffic jams, police checks. They were an emotional shaken when they arrived at our place. In one incidence, a load arrived and I quickly needed to food feed them. A whole family arrived. I put cheese and cold meat and bread on the table, and they just stood there. They just looked at me. I told them, put chairs to the table, put the spread the plates out, cut the bread. They hardly knew what to do. This family had planned they're going to stay, they're not going to flee, but when during the nights the bedrooms of the children were lit up by the fire in the sky they couldn't sleep so they decided they're going to flee. We saw this over and over. At our Sunday service some of the village grandmothers told me that two men were arrested in Sheep and Sea. They had been caught or been seen painting targets for the ground on the ground to guide Russian missiles to bomb, she- bomb Sheep and Sea. And this is happening all over Ukraine. So there are Russian sympathizers among us, or they have slipped in. All the village signs on the roads have been removed so that the enemy cannot know where they are traveling or if they're walking, whatever. So I am just busy helping refugees at this time. Hardly have time to clean my own glasses and take my insulin. Knowing that we are backed by a mission, people are calling for financial aid. They are fleeing And sometimes they run out of money to buy fuel. So I transfer money from my bank account to their bank card and then they continue on their journey. I doled out money for food. For some, the money that they had left was needed for fuel so they had nothing left to eat. Sometimes they might spend two nights in the van to get across the borders. Some needed money for van repairs. The journey was too hard on their vans and they had to fix them before they could continue. But these were my brothers. They had desperate needs. So MIM, that's Masters International Ministries, who's our, organizes our work here. They organized a refugee fund and the treasurer told me that the funds would come in and God sees to that. Um, the first days of war, we could withdraw no money from the banks. Now we can withdraw only small amounts from uh, the ABM machines. You know, I was out of Ukrainian cash because I'd given so much out, but God provided in his grace. The first family that was here, Slavik Bedrov, he had brought with him 25,000 grieven. That's like $900. And uh, he couldn't leave the country. Well, he could leave the country, but it's worthless on the other side. It's not hard currency. So I changed dollars, and he was able to leave. On Wednesday this week, there was a major change in our village. There were block posts set up on all the roads coming into the village. Men of the village guard these block posts and check every car entering the village. And I was called to the block post three times on Wednesday to release cars that were coming to us. One of these loads included an MIM delegation. That was Dan Smoker from Tennessee and my son Conrad from Canada. They had come through Bucharest, all the airports in Ukraine, of course, are not flying presently, and they traveled to Suchava and then crossed the border here. While they were in Suchava, they were encouraging the Ukrainian Mennonite exiles. I'm not sure, but I think there's a hundred or so of them, maybe more. And they, Dan and Conrad came to organize them as a group and to make plans for them to hold Ukrainian services and start a school for the exiles' children, and then... Connor and Dan came up to Ch- uh, Sheep for a visit less than 24 hours, and we were overworked and worn out, my wife and I, so we really appreciated that encouragement. They went with me to the mayor of Sheep to offer aid for refugees. I told the mayor that we serve Jesus Christ and we don't go to war, but we will help from the other end. And the mayor knows that because one of the 19-year-old brothers of our church, Misha Kanotny Cove is doing his alternative service here in the village on the maintenance crew. <clears throat> in our meeting, we decided that we would provide food and mattresses and bedding for the empty hotel and and say that the mayor is organizing to set up to have a 100 refugees. The mayor refuses to receive any cash from us for fear that the villagers will think that he's going to line his pockets. So he wants us to do all the purchasing. We also went to another mayor in a neighboring village uh, and we had a similar meeting. We identified ourselves as the organization who gives out the seeds in our winter seed evangelization meetings. He also had such needs and he called yesterday and saying he will take up our offer to buy mattresses for the refugees. Today, there's two men out doing that. And you know, the greatest comfort that Dan and Conrad brought to me was the
3: information that the Ukrainian Mennonite exiles are staying together in a group and that MIM will provide for their needs. I had a lot of pain in my heart because of that. Because I know they will lose their faith that they're scattered. I'm sorry for crying. So okay, brother.
0: to keep the exiles in Suchava for a month or so, and if they cannot return to Ukraine, they plan to make a relocation elsewhere in Europe. It's not our intent to resettle any of our brethren in the United States at this time, but some might choose to do that. So there are four of our pastors in Suchava at the present time, Frank King, Laverne Wagner, Abner Stoltzfus, and Yasha Zuba. And there are still three pastors in Ukraine. That's Edwin Millers and Gordodeski, my wife and I, in Sheepensee and Wayne Hirsch went to the mountains. You know, the Bible does say flee to the mountains, but they're planning to come back to Sheepensee to help me for a while. There are a few people left in those three churches, mostly the frail and the elderly, but there are some men who stayed back. There are great needs for food around us. Many of the big stores have empty shelves. Uh what you might know as Costco, we call Metro. And where they have pallets of flour and sugar, everything is gone. You cannot buy sugar and flour in those big stores because that's where people go to load up to feed refugees. No rice, just macaroni, and you can only buy it in little bags. Smaller stores have basic food items. But there are convoys of trucks coming from Romania and Holland that are bringing in food. I sent our van out to the mountains yesterday with a load of food for 160 refugees from Odessa who are being housed at a Christian camp. The camp had run out of food after four days of the refugees being there. So we transferred $1,000 worth of Ukrainian money from my account to their card. The load of food had come up from Romania. Our sprinter van couldn't traverse on the snowy and icy mountain roads, so they had to reload into their Jeeps for the last leg of the way. Other needs is that our uh, Sheepensy brothers are out of work. The factories are closed. The construction sites are closed. How are they going to feed themselves? One of the brothers from Kiev, Sergei Mikotela, he is living with his brother in Sheepensy who is one of our members. They did not cross the border yet. And Sergei works for Grace Press as the warehouse manager of their literature warehouse in Kiev. That literature warehouse in Kiev was sabotaged the other night. There was a great fire. And how much of the Christian literature was destroyed, we don't know. Here's another example. Dr. Olga is a Ukrainian Baptist and treats my back. I have a herniated disc. She received 60 refugees. In her apartment and in her contacts and her church received 200 refugees. And these are believers fleeing from the Mar- Mar- Mariupol area, which is on the Black Sea, just beside the part of Ukraine, which the Russian insurgents had taken in 2014. Dr. Olger herself is a refugee from that area in 2014. These refugees need food and medicine. And some of the refugees told Dr. Olga that while they were fleeing, their neighbors called them and said that their houses were bombed, their houses don't exist anymore, and there is nothing for them to go back to. So we're planning to meet with Dr. Olga's husband today to give him money to feed these 260 refugees. Literature, in the midst of all this chaos, we started receiving calls for Christian literature. Baptist churches ask if we have New Testaments, And just at that time, there was a lull in the refugees, and we started sending out Ukrainian New Testaments by the case, as well as our Path of Life evangelization magazine. One example, I got a call from Pastor Valentin this morning who received eight eight cases, cases of literature on Wednesday, and he's been with his church giving out New Testaments door to door, and the people are very thankful and received the word of God with joy. This pastor said that they can now read the gospel instead of watching television all day. Some wanted literature to give out to the lines of people waiting in their cars at the border crossings. We sent about 16 cases of literature to our Ukrainian brothers in Suchava to give out to the unbelieving refugees in the area. And Cam has set up a heated tent where some of our brothers are going to, to give out literature at the border. That's all I have now. I just ask for your prayers.
1: Thank you, Brother Bruce, for sharing that with us. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with you there. Um, it's hard to imagine uh that kind of an upset in life and regular routine and it's it's heartbreaking. Are there anyone who has uh, some questions for Brother Bruce
3: or comments? we can see on the page.
1: Um, we won't take a lot of time waiting for questions or comments maybe we'll move on we can um, open it up at the end for some more uh, general comments or questions as well um, the next brother to share will be Mark Zuba
3: uh let's see Mark are you ready to go there Yes. Can you hear me well? Yes, we can.
4: Greetings to each one, and thank you for taking interest and time to learn more about this crisis. I would like to um, remember the verse that Paul wrote in Galatians 6, to vary one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, I am Mark Zuba originally I came from Ukraine but um, I did not come to uh, I did not leave Ukraine right now when the war started but I left Ukraine six years ago and uh, actually seven years ago and for the last six years I have lived in Romania and I am a part of the Anabaptist Church here in Sochava Um I'm part of a big family. There are nine of us, children. And most of us are here in Romania at the moment. But my dad and mom and uh, a sister and a brother, they're still in Ukraine. My dad is actually very close to where there was a bunch of bombing uh last night. And uh, he's a very courageous man, but I would appreciate your prayers for them as they try to serve God there. They have been helping refugees, um, or people that were crossing through the border but because of the curfew time, they had to stop pretty much for the curfew, when the curfew is um, in place. And since my parents live at, at the highway, they have the opportunity to receive people and to be an encouragement to them. But today I would like to share a little bit more about what uh, the Lord has been doing here in Suchava, um, the war is, is a horrible thing. Uh, it creates uncertainty, panic, fear, and seems like it just brings the the worst cruelty of human race, human nature, There's so many bad things are happening. People are unsecure and they don't know what to do. Thousands of people ran for their lives to relocate in Ukraine and, um, many came to Ukraine, uh, to Romania, other countries. Romania alone received over 140,000 refugees during this past few, few weeks, few days. Well, the Mennonite Church in Sachava in joint effort with ICAM, Christian Aid Ministries, and BAM, Brotherly Aid Ministries, has made an attempt to, uh, to help these people and to lift the burdens of our brethren, uh, by taking care of especially Anabaptist people from Ukraine and also some other sincere believers, um, through the con, through our Anabaptist context from Ukraine. Um, many of them just To whatever they could, left pretty much everything behind and came here. Um, They had many of them had no connections in Romania except for knowing some of us here that that are from Ukraine and lived here in Romania. And of course, uh, there was some. There is a a connection with the Mennonite Church here. And so, as Brother Bruce said, that he also referred them here. And the church here has been very, um, very welcoming to to the needs of the people. Um, some of the stories of people crossing the border are, are very interesting and touching. Um, one of them is about my brother, Yasha, and his wife, Anya. They have two little children, two little girls, and Anya was pregnant with the third baby, they tried crossing the border last week. They had to walk um, five foot, about two miles long. They came to the border, they stood there for hours, and eventually they, they were turned back because during that time, as they were standing at the border, Ukraine passed a law that no man between the age of 18 to 60 could not leave the country. Um, because of their military obligation so they stood there all the time to just turn around and come back well next day they have made an uh, uh, explanation to the law to where families that had three or more children could cross the border so the next day they tried again they came to the border but this time the line was four miles long so they had to walk and uh Waited even longer, many hours. They waited hours. Finally, they crossed the Romanian, the Ukrainian side of the border. And then Anya began to have serious pains. Uh, she couldn't stand anymore. She just sat down and cried. Um,
3: they thought they were going to have the baby right there on the sidewalk. Yasha asked
4: for the ambulance to be waiting on the Romanian side, but um uh, once they crossed the border, she felt better. And just last night she had a baby. So we are thankful to God for this. Uh, another young man, a believing young man, 25 years old, he crossed the border through the fields because he was in the in the age of draft. He escaped the war and this threat of being drafted. Um, he, when he told me his story, it just touched my heart. He, he lived in Ukraine, which is a economically, economically struggling country. So he, he was trying to make a living. He worked hard, uh, and finally developed a little business, uh, to where it was providing a sustainable income for him, and now he left all of it. He just paid uh, debt. He had the, the loan he had for this business, and now he's uh, left everything. And uh, he feels so discouraged. He uh, he feels like there's almost no future, and he feels insecure and sad. Another family of eight children that came to us um, they were also struggling financially they were hard working they saved all the money they could they um made it themselves a greenhouse and uh planted flowers uh, so they planted about a half a, half a year ago they watered for this whole time they um invested hours of work um, and money to to sell these flowers and have an income. Well the flowers are almost ready to sell within a few weeks they were going to sell the flowers but now they left everything behind and lost all their investments. There are about three more families like this that have 50 some thousand flowers in their greenhouses that are Not being able to be sold. Well, through God's grace and the help of many believers, we were able to help um, around 350 refugees here in Suchaba. Um, The generosity of local believers was overwhelming. Um, There were beds offered to accommodate over 300 people, refugees, per night. People were just opening their homes, and um, in addition to this, Cam has set up a tent by the border, a heated tent, um, where we were distributing
3: blankets, and uh,
4: people can come in, warm warm themselves up. We're also... um, sending our staff there to interact with people, to encourage them, and to to make sure their needs are are met. Most of our Anabaptist people from the Mennonite churches from Ukraine have stayed within Suchava area. Um, Brethren from Ukraine and Romania desire to keep our Anabaptist people together while they're in Romania. And we're working on meeting the needs of the church, even though they're increasingly challenging. And just think about having... 200 people move into a new area. The practicality of it um, and the needs that arise is, um, is very challenging. You need a place for all of them. Uh, food, um, transportation, the legal issues that need to be taken care of when they come. There are school school needs. Many of them have large families and So we want to make sure that these children are still going to school, Um, and uh, there are just many needs to try to even uh, provide something something for all of them to do. So in our church, there's um, in our community, there are actually a number of large projects that we were hoping to to use some donated labor to. to get them done or a major part of this projects. And if sufficient funds are available, we would like to offer work uh, for a number of these uh, refugees rather than depending so heavily on uh, donated labor.
3: And I know
4: that Satan is at work right now. He tries to discourage people by providing these difficulties and flags, you can say. But my prayer is that God will revive the suffering and the heartbroken people, the burden burdened people. Um, Satan wants to make people worse and bet, bitter people, upset and discouraged. But my prayer is that God can make these bad things into something more beautiful um, to where... People can become more better, better, better people rather than bitter people and that God will make a beautiful character in us. I believe Jesus Christ is coming soon and he wants us to be pure. He wants us to, to love him and to expect his coming anytime. My prayer is that the church of Christ would, um, would prepare itself for this. And I'm sure that God has everything under his control um, and he desires us to, to do what we can until he comes to, to build his kingdom uh,
3: and to fulfill the law of Christ. Thank
4: you for listening. I wish you all God's blessings.
1: And thank you, brother Mark, for sharing with us this morning. Um I think we'll open it up for comments and questions at the end. So we'll move on to our next uh, brother, uh, Brother Lever.
5: You can go ahead. Okay. Hello from Poland. Um, so, yeah, our experience with all of this um, isn't quite as dramatic as what Bruce was describing. Uh, we heard about the war starting in Ukraine and, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe what we were hearing. And yeah, the way the, the first thing we saw was the refugees starting to come into the country. And, um, I think it was, yeah, well, maybe even the first day or so I was in Warsaw at the central train station and just seeing, uh, lots of people there and realized that a lot of them were in shock and exhausted. Uh, even, you know, they're in Warsaw, they're far from the war, they're in a train station, but they just, uh, were really in shock and, and not able to, to, uh, handle or think what to do next. So we've been going in there regularly and just helping people with simple things like, um, getting their train ticket. Poland offers free train tickets to all Ukrainian citizens, so it's not about the cost. It's just a matter of figuring out where, where to go and how to, how to get the right ticket. Uh, we buy food for families. We help them make phone calls, help them get a taxi to where they need to go. Uh, just practical things like that. Um, my daughter loves giving toys to the children and just seeing their faces light up and giving them a moment of joy. So just a lot of simple things like that, that we, we, uh, we can, show them some love and some care and take an interest in their lives and their situation. And even if we can't always solve their problem, we can at least show them that somebody cares. Somebody is here to, and also listening to their stories. A lot of them uh are eager to talk about what they've been through in the last few days traveling here. And and it means a lot to them to have someone just sit down and say, how are you? Um uh you know what what's how are you feeling and and tell if you if you want to talk I'm here to listen. So just simple things like that. Um and as I mentioned um Poland has has given a tremendous response, Polish people, Polish government. Um, I saw a post on Facebook someone said uh foreign journalists are asking where are the refugee camps in Poland? The answer is there are no refugee camps because all the Polish people, all the refugees are in the hearts and homes of Polish people. And so that's a tremendous response and has, that's an encouraging thing. And, uh, as, as we know and as we can see hearing these brothers talk, these are days of many tears, a lot of heartache. And, but when I see this response of Polish people and also Ukrainians who are here, Belarusians who are here, uh and all of Europe and all of the world is responding and that gives us a lot of encouragement that there is a lot of good in the world uh John 16 verse 33 Jesus says I have overcome the world and the truth is the good will win the good is winning uh even though the darkness is is fighting hard at this time um we are actively involved in setting up a children's home to receive uh Ukrainian children from an orphanage that uh was evacuated. The children made it through the border, thankfully, yesterday. They're in Krakow now, a city in southern Poland. Uh They need to sort out some things, and then they'll be heading up our way next week. This is a amazing effort of local people here. Um, a a wealthy developing development company in our town Uh the family owns an old polish manor house and they have renovated that they they put all their resources into it in the past they started uh on sunday i think last sunday or monday had like 30 guys out there working every day and uh they will have it ready by monday or tuesday and um we're working with an organization called uh, International Host Connection from the U.S. that's actually bringing the children here. None of us here in Poland have any experience running a children's home, so uh I have no idea how this was able to happen or will happen, but it looks like in less than two weeks' time a few people who have no experience with this will have established a functioning legal children's home, and uh it's just I have never seen this kind of, um, uh, passion and, and motivation and, uh, and, and selfless dedication to a project. So that's really inspiring to see in the face of, of the, uh, the tragedy. People stand up, people sacrifice, people, uh, work together to make something happen to take care of these children that are coming. Uh, right now it looks like about 30 children, uh, coming with their caretakers. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if more would come. In this particular building, there would be room for up to 60 uh people, children with their caretakers. So we are also involved with a bus uh provided by a German businessman that runs nonstop between the border and Warsaw, bringing refugees from the border. So a need there is for a Russian-speaking person on the bus to help arrange the lodging in Warsaw. Uh, so that's a constant need. It's a very tiring job. Uh, we have people here, a a brother from the Baptist church is helping. Um, but, but it's hard to find people for that. So if there are any Russian speaking people who would be willing to come here and help with that ministry, that would, that would be a big help. Um, we ourselves are hosting, uh, some Ukrainians in our house. And our church is uh, going to be renting an apartment to host people in. So that's on a much smaller scale than they're doing in Romania there. We're, we are not a um, a humanitarian mission at all. We have never done any humanitarian aid. I mean, I think I've bought soup for homeless people already, but uh, we have never as a mission done anything like that. And sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Laverne Hirschberger. And I'm here with Anabaptist International Ministries. Uh, I, me and my family, we've been here in Poland for over 20 years. Uh, and what the main thing we do is an English school. We teach English to Polish people and, uh, we also, uh, publish a magazine, Seed of Truth magazine, distribute Bibles, um, organize some, uh, music, uh, programs with a choir. Called Hope Singers and some other events, conferences and things. We're a small mission. There's only about uh, 20 or so of us here, Americans. And yeah, we have zero experience with anything like this, as do most Polish people who are involved in this. So it's, but it's just amazing to see the cooperation that is going on. It's very, very inspiring. Uh, one thing we have been involved with somewhat is um, helping the non-ethnic Ukrainians, people who come from African countries or Middle Eastern countries. And they've been living in Ukraine for years. Some of them have Ukrainian residence documents, but they get here to Poland and the wonderful care system that's been put in place by the Polish government does not give them any help uh, because they're not Ukrainian citizens. And so uh, we have helped some of those the Baptist Seminary will house them, um, but it it can be hard to find a place like that. My daughter the other night was out uh, took a group of seventeen uh people from Afghanistan to the the government center and they just left them standing out in the cold wouldn't take them. The children wouldn't do anything for them um and so eventually somebody said they would help them, but uh that is something we're trying to focus on and provide needs for those who. Who are not cared for by the system and yeah as 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 Mark mentioned, uh most of these people have had to walk i I had one group of guys that said they walked fifty kilometers uh almost thirty miles um, to get to the border. Um, the group of Afghans that my daughter helped they were riding a bus, but the bus ran out of fuel, so they just got off the bus and walked and had to leave basically all their luggage on the bus, so they couldn't take their stuff with them. Also, when the Ukrainians arrive here in Poland, they might have uh Ukrainian currency, Gryvna, with them, even a large amount of it, but most currency exchange places don't take it, or if they do take it, only a small amount, you know, and it's at a very low value. So all of their money is almost worthless here. If they have money in euros or dollars, then that's much better. Um, yeah, so we – uh I think a need that we could – that could be met here is uh, something like Mark mentioned, a tent down at the border, uh, a warm place for – people who cross the border to, to just rest. Um, my daughter's actually going down there today to help with one that's run by Operation Mobilization. Uh, but if any other organization would want to come here and start something like that, that would be definitely meeting a need. Um, uh, as you pray for us, please pray for, the long-term care of these people, like as I mentioned right now, there's a lot of vision, a lot of passion for making this, uh, taking care of people. But as we think ahead, three months, six months, one year, uh, the need is for that to continue, caring for these people. Uh, also, for us to make wise decisions, we have many opportunities, but we need wisdom to know where to put our energy, how to best meet the needs, and not to overextend ourselves uh, because, yeah, it's hard to sleep at night. Uh, with all of this, the, the things going on, the things in our mind, it's hard to get good rest. Um, and it's hard to know how much to take on, um, and still take care of ourselves and our families and, and be in, in, in good shape to meet the needs around us. So thank you so much for your interest and prayers and care. God bless.
1: Thank you, brother. Uh, brother Nathan.
6: Yes, uh last Thursday morning I got a call from uh one of my former coworkers in Ukraine concerning uh should we be doing something uh for our brothers and sisters that we've left behind in Ukraine. And uh we started calling around to various others and uh, every one of us had the same feeling. We simply cannot walk away if uh if our brothers and sisters are hurting. Uh Thus was born an organization, a new one, uh, Anabaptist Ukraine Refugee Assistance. Uh, we have 11 members on our team, nine of which uh, are actually uh, former workers in Ukraine at some time or another for multiple years. And uh our goal was to open channels to, so we can help our Ukrainian brothers in their time of need. Now, bear in mind, the organization is only eight days old. So it, it started from a grassroots thing and, and uh it's been uh been quite a journey. Our goals, as mentioned, was to provide uh aid. How does what does this look like? Uh first of all, our focus is to provide immediate assistance inside Ukraine to uh brothers that have stayed behind. And uh next goal would be to assist other missions and individuals in the neighboring countries as the resources and the needs arise. Uh Possibly, some of these would be the ones you just heard from, but uh that could also be expanded now down the road, we don't know uh possibly we'll be assisting uh, these believers in returning to Ukraine if returning becomes a feasible possibility, and if not, and then assist them in in resettling in other countries and if that becomes the best option for them either uh, in the surrounding countries in Europe or possibly a few might uh, relocate here as, as uh, it would be their choice. Uh, currently, that is not an option for many because of the visa situation. And uh, thus, we are also maintaining contact with our own government, uh, what we can do to alleviate uh, this this roadblock in their way. Uh, no success with this yet, but uh, the Lord is still still working. Uh, so what are the conditions in Ukraine today? What are we hearing from our uh brothers and sisters that are still there? And when I say brothers and sisters, these are evangelical uh people. Uh by and large, uh they are non resistant, they don't want to to help in the fighting, but uh what are their needs? Well, actually the conditions, uh location seems to be one of the keys. Now, in very general terms, uh West is better than east. Uh, the further west you are in the country, uh, the, the better conditions are and, uh, probably safer. Also, we have noticed a difference in what we're hearing from them. The rural areas of smaller villages seem to be better and safer than the large cities. However, this is in generalities. It does vary considerably from, from uh, situation to situation as was mentioned all the men uh, 18 to 60 are forbidden to leave the country unless they have 3 or more dependent children and uh while i do understand the government's premise in doing this it makes sense uh so that these men are available to fight uh it does make a lot of heart-rending decisions for for various families uh do we all stay together even if it's dangerous to stay together or perhaps uh, we will send mother and the children abroad and we'll leave dad behind so families can be separated. Some families are sending the children abroad and the parents staying there, especially if they have relatives or friends in other countries. And probably the one of the most difficult decisions that many of us probably would face, what if I have uh, sons that are of draft age? Does the rest of the family leave? And leave these sons behind, and uh, what about their faith? If if we leave them behind, are they going to lose out? So there's a lot of heartrending situations, and uh, we've actually seen families, uh, various families, make the, all of the above decisions. Uh, it just depends on what's right for them. Now some are too poor to run, so leaving isn't even an option. And what about the the invalids and the sick and the elderly? And, uh, or the orphans, you know, a lot of these can't leave. Meanwhile, all over the country, uh <clears throat> conditions seem to be rapidly getting worse. Uh Worse in what way? Well, food supplies are starting to run out, especially in the large cities. And uh the problem is on many places, they can't be restocked because it's not safe for trucks to be on the road. And now this is reaching down even to some of the smaller towns. Uh, food is running out well of course our our uh, our American way of doing that well let's bring them more let's 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 truck it in and I was happy to hear that in some cases this is happening, but many of the borders uh or the highways are not safe uh, for imported food to even be there, and thus uh, the stores are running low as you might imagine when stores uh supplies start running out uh, prices start skyrocketing. I uh, had one brother tell us that a loaf of bread that two weeks ago, a uh, small loaf of bread, he could buy it for around 35 cents. He said today that same loaf of bread, if you can find it, is $4. Uh, tremendous food inflation. So what can the Christians do? I have been blessed many times uh, by the verse in First John, Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, uh, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Well, that's a, a kind of the negative connotation, but if you think about it, that verse also implies that if the love of God is in our heart and these two conditions are met, uh there's some wonderful things can happen. It's a picture to me of, of uh, seed laying on dry soil. You know, it, it can lay there for quite a while and you don't really notice it, but as soon as you apply water, it just sprouts and grows. It's just the natural result of the love of God in our hearts when we see our brother has need and we have the ability to help um, it, it just it's just natural thing to do, and we think of that from an American sense, you know okay, then I will give and send money overseas. That is true, but it's even more true in in the sense of in the field in Ukraine today, uh, we see countless brothers and sisters just sharing willingly from their heart with people in need. And uh, even though it's it's probably going to put themselves in hardship before long, uh, but if the love of God is in your heart, it's just a natural resolve. It's what happens. So what are they doing? Well, many are finding ways to reach out and to help others, and uh, not just to believers. Of course, that is that is the primary, but uh, they're reaching out to ungodly neighbors or even to strangers that they've never met, uh, people just passing through. And our contacts in various places of the country. Uh, this can take on different uh, different look. Uh, it depends where you're at and what the need is. Now, depending on the location, <coughs> many have opened <coughs> excuse me many have opened their homes to shelter refugees that are fleeing. And this can be a transit thing. Uh, they help as needed with food, uh, maybe with an overnight lodging, uh, helping them find transportation, money for fuel. Uh, in one case, one pastor told us he was personally helping around 100 people per day right out of his house, and many of these stay overnight. Uh, as you might uh, imagine, the, his resources were depleted very quickly, uh, and yet you know, they do what they can. Uh, some of these believers that have, have stayed behind, uh, as was mentioned, they are non-resistant. They don't want to join the military, uh, and yet these are able-bodied young men. What do you do? Some of them are volunteering to deliver food, even though it's dangerous at times, to those who cannot get their own food, uh, perhaps due to poverty or even uh, poor health, so they can't get out. Uh, some pastors have voluntarily stayed behind to minister to those who, are, who cannot leave. And uh, I've heard of one pastor, a good friend of mine, that uh, is staying in his town. Uh, some of his church has left. However, other pastors in the same town have left with their congregations, but, you know, there's always a few that can't go, so he's actually pastoring remnants of several churches and uh, trying to care for them day by day. Many of these people, uh, even in supposedly safer areas, uh, they'd have to sleep in basements for safety reasons. Uh, you never know where, where the bombs are going to fall next. So it, it's, uh, it's when you say am moving to a safe place inside Ukraine, that's a relative thing, and that can change very quickly. Uh, that's what our brothers and sisters are doing there. Uh, the question is, what can we do? And as God's people here, well, I think we need to focus. And sometimes we tend to forget. Our first priority needs to be to pray for these people. Uh, what specifically should we be praying for? Well, I think all of them would tell us to pray for peace and an end to the war. This chaos is 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 you know. It's awful and they need relief. And, uh, we discussed it as a team last evening. Uh, what would happen if Putin and his uh, comrades would be converted? Uh, you know, the difference is just mind boggling what can happen. And so let's pray to that end. They also have souls and they, and they need the Lord. Uh, and also we need to pray for wisdom and protection for those that are in authority in Ukraine. You know, you follow the news and uh, it can get very depressing and yet very impressive at times. Uh, the, these people uh, have a lot of responsibility and they, they need the Lord's protection and his divine wisdom. And we also need to pray for our brothers and sisters that are in Ukraine specifically. First of all, that Jesus would give them the true peace, even in the middle, middle of the storm, the peace that only he can give. Let's also pray that God's love could shine through them uh, to those around them, first of all, and then possibly even to their enemies, should they meet them. Uh, God's love is a powerful, powerful thing. Let's pray that the Lord would give them added faith and courage. Let's pray for their safety, their physical safety. That is is a huge need for many of them. And then they, they also would have God's divine wisdom. And his direction, uh, broadening our circle maybe a bit. Let's pray for the orphans and the widows and the elderly and the afflicted, uh, that God would be with them at this time. And then also for the unsaved. I remember when we were there in 2014, uh, pastors that were close to the war zone then, uh, it was incredible the amount of hunger. For answers and for the gospel at that time, not everyone, but so many of them. And I asked the one pastor, I said, "What do you think? Uh, what do you think is driving this?" He said, "Listen, when the bombs are falling out of the sky, you think seriously uh, of your life and, and, and about meeting God. It's a very important thing. So let's pray for their unsaved neighbors that this could cause these people to seek the Lord at this time. Also, a personal prayer request." Uh, we ask for divine wisdom and for guidance from God that he can show us what he wants us to do. What else can we do? Well, God has opened doors that we can share, at least for right now. We don't know how long these doors will be open, but uh, we can actually share with our needy brothers and sisters by sending them funds. And with the modern technology, this can be done very quickly. And uh, actually put it right in the right hands at this point, we don't know of any ways to send any humanitarian aid, but as long as the food is available there, uh, we can send them funds, and they can they can replenish their own supplies. We don't know how long the doors will be open to send funds in currently, the banks seem to be working uh at least in a limited way. You can do electronic transactions uh, in many cases, they're not open to draw out a lot of cash but uh these, brethren, uh, the technology there with debit cards and so on is working, and uh, we can wire them money, and then they can, get, in turn, go to the, the stores and buy what they need if it's still available. However, time is of the essence here. The sooner we can get this aid into their hands, the more aid it will buy. As the prices keep skyrocketing for food and other things, uh, it's important that we get this to them quickly. Uh, what is the, the best way to do this? Uh, we have partnered with the Anabaptist ministry called Deed and Truth Ministries uh, in Tennessee here. Their base is the easiest way to, uh, to get their contact information is online, deedandtruthministries.org. And also, if you have a debit or credit card, you can donate uh, right on their website for that. It is important to let them know how you want your donation to be used. They have various programs for various missions. Uh, Basically, Ukraine refugees is the way it needs to be earmarked. And the way it works is that the money then will go into a fund. And then we as a team with our contacts in Ukraine can day-to-day direct those funds to the right people as needed. And we have brothers that are working on that that uh, have have some very good contacts within the country. We do want to be a little bit careful in sharing a lot of personal information on these contacts. We don't know how the war is going to change. And uh, and we don't want this information to endanger their lives. So we are actually uh, two of the brothers on our team are actually in charge of administrating these funds. And who are they sending it to? Well, first of all, uh, they are focusing on situations of brothers who are assisting other refugees in flight, uh, depending where they're at in the country. This is a big need. Uh, then also there are the individual families, uh, that are maybe in transit somewhere and their money runs out. And we do know that uh, vehicles don't run without fuel and we all need to have food occasionally. And so we have the ability to send them money, uh, maybe $50 here, maybe $100 there. And that will get them back on their journey and and get them out of their crisis, at least for the time being. Then thirdly, we also want to help those who have voluntarily decided to stay behind. And just uh, to help those who could not leave. Uh, They are doing a very dangerous work in a lot of uh, situations. Uh, Their dedication is, is astounding. And so as brothers and sisters here... Uh, can we come alongside them and just help them with the uh, with their uh, physical needs, perhaps in a way that is meaningful to those around them? That's all that I have. Thank you very much for listening. I'll turn the time back to our brother.
1: Thank you, brother. Uh, do you mind introducing yourself? I'm sorry. That's OK. Yeah.
6: Yes. My name is Nathan Miller and uh, my family and I were in Ukraine from 2012 to 2016. Uh, enjoyed our time very much. Uh, it's the best thing that ever happened to our children. And my oldest son actually, uh, married a Ukrainian and, uh, we have three, uh, grandchildren there. Uh, they have personally left the country and are staying in, uh, Suchava, Romania at this time.
1: Thank you for that. I would like to open it up. Now for questions and comments for either one of the brothers that have shared. Um, One question that came in for you, Bruce, is are the Ukrainian brothers left behind facing any pressure to join the army at this point?
0: Yes, they are. Um, It's very difficult for me to leave any uh, men into my premises. Without them have registering in the mayor's office, so they are fearful to do that, so many of them move on or stay low that um, I understand there's not immediate need to take them, but they, they're being put on the registers. a hundred thousand volunteers from Ukraine joined the army, and the army um, barracks are full. So there's no need for them right now, but what happens in a week or two from now, we don't know. So yes, there is and fear from
3: it from the believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's remember our brothers in prayer uh, as they face this there. Any other questions?
1: Um, if you're wondering about where to go to help out, um, we will have links on our website at strength2strength.org. You can go there and there are numerous Ways to donate if you'd like to help out with this.
6: I would like to
0: say that uh, I represent a Biding Peace Virtual School, and we're already working with Titus Miller's son, Christopher. And if there's educational needs that we can help, we stand by at this moment to step in wherever we can help on an educational level. We provide high school uh, services, grades 9 through 12. Uh, so you're welcome to contact me, AbidingPeaceDFW.org, if you want to contact me or phone 817-648-1863.
3: Okay, thank you. So Sam, uh,
7: somebody just asked in the chat, how much for the tent in Poland? So I think that the question is probably for, um,
1: uh, for Brother Laverne.
5: Okay. I'm driving right now. Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Yep, we can hear you. Uh,
5: how much for the tent in Poland? Um, well, I think the, uh, problem, the main issue probably isn't funds, but just having people to organize it and, and man it. And yeah, um, with that, what the the language issue, as far as like having an American team come over for that, I think you could, you could have some American volunteers that only speak English, but you would need several people, uh, in charge that, you know, speak, uh, you would want a few people that speak some Russian and and Polish. Uh, but I think we could, we could probably find those people here. Um, but yeah I, I think we would need someone who has some experience running something like that uh we are we are too small a mission to organize that ourselves, and our hands are really full with what we're trying to do here right now uh but we could we could be a contact person we could we could find people here that would be able to help and and so on uh but it's yeah, it's definitely more than just the
3: funds it would we, we need people here on the ground. All right. Thank you.
8: Am I unmuted here?
1: Yes, go ahead.
8: Yes, it's uh, Amsey Brubaker here from Southern Ontario. I uh, want to express my appreciation for the efforts the four brethren put in to sharing what they shared it's uh touching and uh i want to encourage you to continue on um it's something the lord allowed it's not out of the lord's control and um the lord will see you through like your testimonies were um i was in bulgaria when the war broke out and and you know that's quite a distance from you where you brethren are at but it did seem quite close, if I think of Ontario and Ukraine, in Bulgaria and Ukraine. And uh, for Brother Mark, um, I don't know if you remember me, Brother Mark, but back, uh, was it 2014 or 2015, you with your family were up in Berlin uh, um, as refugees, and uh, myself and two other brethren came there one night on our way to bulgaria visiting your family there and i treasure that our hearts are with you we lost contact but uh, i want to encourage you on as a young man
3: continue to serve the lord that's all i have yes thank you
4: thank you brother larry and thank we feel your prayers and support I uh, do appreciate to hear your voice
2: again. I had another question for Bruce there, just following up on the, the last question. Do you know how the Ukrainian government treats people who consciously object to fighting? Uh, do they have a program for them, or or what? What any idea what lays ahead for them? <laughs>
0: Presently, we have an alternative service program. And two of the young brothers in the Sheep and Sea Church are part of that alternative service program. However, when war comes, those programs are wiped away. They're not on anymore. So I don't know what will happen, although we have already been talking to the Ministry of Religious Affairs here in of Sea to see what docu- documents we might need for them to keep them out of the actual army.
3: We'll be praying for him. Thank you.
6: Did I <clears throat> did I understand Mark to say that a, a young man of military age was able to cross the border through the fields without going th- by avoiding a checkpoint or uh, a customs
3: point. Did I understand that right? Yes, it's, it's right.
4: There, there, were, this boy crossed the border through the fields. And there are many more that crossed uh through some other ways. Two boys uh swam across the river. It was a cold winter river. Um there is another boy, um, that I know very well. He hid under a uh seat in the van and crossed the border, both borders, and he was not noticed. Um and some other people crossed the border through a um barbed wire fence actually with razor wire uh, razor wire fence and he just climbed over it had some scars but people are just desperate to get out
3: so do I understand you correctly that there's not necessarily a border fence uh dividing Ukraine and Romania the entire border that's correct I see. Is there anyone else with some
1: questions or comments?
0: I'll speak to that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So we could tell you more, but it's better we don't. Mm -hmm. Just showed you the brief details. There's a whole lot more behind that, but we shouldn't share it here. Mm -hmm. But there was some that were lying on the forest floor for a while while a drone was above them, 10 meters above them, and they just held still, and the drone eventually passed. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I was wondering whether there'd be long term consequences for that in the future or not. I was just trying to process all that. Some of the border guards help, but that's all I'll say. Praise the Lord.
0: Some others refused to go that direction because of the long term consequences and they didn't have peace in their hearts, so they stayed here.
3: Mm-hmm. That was tough.
1: How many of your local congregation are still there, Bruce?
0: All of them, except our mm-hmm. American school teacher. Okay. That's right. That's from the other congregations that are closer to Kiev that they fled. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine um, this kind of difficulty and you'll definitely be in our hearts and prayers moving forward. I mean, we see the headlines and we see the numbers of refugees and you know, they're just numbers. I know to you all that's these are individuals, individual souls that have great needs. Well, if there's no other um, questions or comments, I think we can wrap this up. Um, I really appreciate you brothers taking the time to share with us this morning, and gave us a perspective on what you're dealing with, on the very real. Um, circumstances that are going on there and it definitely gives us more information to pray around and to beseech God on your behalf and your work there and for the people that are that are fleeing Um, so God bless you all as you continue to press into this and uh, be used in this way Um, it's a tremendous encouragement and um, it's Wonderful to see the Lord at work in the hearts of people willing to serve. And it, I guess one thing I came away with this morning was it seems like a tremendous opportunity for the kingdom to grow, for truth to go out. I mean, to hear about all the literature demands, um, people facing this kind of a crisis, it, it primes the heart for truth. And I think we should pray fervently that uh, many people come to Christ through this and that the, the kingdom could grow there uh, through this Uh so praise the Lord uh, even in this time of crisis that it can be used to that end uh, so thank you all for, for joining us this morning it has been a tremendous blessing and I hope it has been for you as well um, actually we just had a question come in here is there an update on Grace Press, I believe uh, brother mentioned that they possibly had lost their location there.
3: I don't have
0: an update. I just know that the, the guard at the warehouse heard some tinkling of glass and suddenly the building was engulfed in flames. So there was probably some sympathizer that did that. And um, the local fire department came and put out the fire. Uh, none of the brothers are there at the present time, so I don't think that they know what the losses are inside. Uh, Sergey car was there. It was partially burned, also partially ruined when they pulled it away from the fire. Sergey Mikatela is in, in our area right now. He's from the Key of Church.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We will um uh, we do have information on our website if you would like to send funds. It sounds like um funds would be a, a welcome gift in for these families who are opening up their homes and providing meals and lodging and and uh fuel and so many different things for these people that are fleeing. So that is one way, um other than spending a lot of time in prayer for them, that is one way that we can uh, reach out from our great distances and bless the brethren there as they serve. So you can go to strength and there will be uh, numerous ways that you can send aid for that as well. Um, so God bless you all for joining us this morning. It has been a privilege to be here with you and um, brother Mark Yoder, would you be willing to, uh, close us in prayer.
7: You said Mark Yoder?
1: Yes, I did. Yes.
7: Oh, okay. Sure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. <clears throat> and even though we're going through this difficult time, Lord, we know that you're King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. And just pray, Lord, that we as your people could have your heart, feel the throb of your burden, your love, your care for your people. And that we could step up, Lord, and be your hands, be your feet, be your heart expressed here on earth for these many people that are suffering. We know you want to receive glory through this and you will receive glory and just pray that we could Receive your blessing and share your blessing so that many, many other hearts would be blessed and drawn to you and drawn to your kingdom. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Bless those brethren that are working day and night. Bless the ones that are risking their lives in danger. And would you meet and bless them, Lord, and through this all, your name would be glorified. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank
1: you. I would say the least we can do is pray, but I think the the first thing we can do is pray for the um, brothers and sisters who are serving there. Um, we do have the ear of the one who turns the hearts of kings like water and the one who can minister to the needs of every one of the individuals who is fleeing, who are fleeing, and to each one of the brothers and sisters who are serving. So let's lift them up in prayer and in love um because i mean to hear the stories of things that are miraculous things that are happening um let's remember who we serve in all of this and that uh his protection would be on the people there and strengthen them again thank you for joining us this morning god bless you all and i hope you have a wonderful day
2: as iron sharpens iron so a
3: man sharpens